Hi everyone, welcome to TED Talks. Today we're here to talk about TV tropes and the function stack. And so Chufu and I came up with an interesting way to reimagine how we see the cognitive functions. Again, these are rough ideas, so don't take this too hard. For the dominant function, we were thinking about hero, and I know John Beebe already calls it the hero. But in terms of TV tropes, that is the best way of putting the first function. And the reason why is because it is the function in which you unconsciously do in every single action. It is your water. It is the hero. It is the main character. It is the centerpiece of your consciousness. It's a function that every other function in your stack filters through. It's the king. It's the, it's it's the, the hero. leader. <laughs> right, yeah. It's the hero. It's the focus, yeah. I want to say with the hero function, we want to be careful to still make sure that the hero functions on an axis with the fourth function, which we'll dive onto later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so for the auxiliary function, we called it the mentor. It is the function that if you develop, it gives you the most bang for your buck. It is the biggest growth potential in your stack. And so that's why it's called the mentor, because the mentor is the one who teaches the hero or gives them new skills or upgrades them in a certain kind of way. And I think the parent function does just that. Correct. Though we want to be careful with calling the second function the mentor function, too, because not all mentor tropes should apply to the mentor function. Say for spoilers, Obi-Wan dies, but Obi-Wan's the mentor for, <laughs> what is it, Luke? So we don't want the trope of killing off your mentor to help improve your hero function either. So not all tropes apply. So we wouldn't want to say that apply the trope of the mentor dying to a be analogous to developing your auxiliary function here. But nonetheless, all mentor functions are still helpful, even if they're not, I guess, healthy. Because there are some mentors who are a bit toxic to some hero characters too, and you don't you know, want to associate that with the second function too, unless maybe you've had trauma in that area. But still, we want to be careful to, yeah, apply the broader idea of mentor tropes. And there's fun ways, you know, fiction and I guess tropes get play with that. But you don't want to kill off your mentor function, nor do you want your mentor function to be toxic in a way. And so for the tertiary function, we have two potential names for it. The first one is the lucky novice. And so the tertiary function is one where if you get too comfortable that you might loop. So you might go from your first to your third function. And so the word lucky implies that there's an excitement or an eagerness to jump to it and skip over your auxiliary function. And it's also called the novice because it's of lesser strength than your auxiliary function. So it has less growth potential. Just as John Beebe calls this function the eternal child function, there is a quality of this function having a lesser sophistication than the ones above it. But it's still a really fun function, and you're relatively good at using it, too. So the second and third function are of relative strength. Correct. Yeah, they're of relative strength to each other, and they would still play off each other. Whereas the mentor may be, like, old and fogey in their ways. The novice may be new and refreshing and novel with their approaches to teaching, too. And so there's a bit of a value into seeing both how the old mentor kind of does it from, you know, back in the old days, but then also a new novelty and a new excitement and energy and presence that your, you know, the new novice might bring to the table too, even if it's a little unsophisticated and I guess novice -y. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And the second name that we had for the tertiary function is the lover. Correct. And, reason- and just to have like a love interest for the hero character that always chases around, but may not always be healthy or helpful for the team. Yeah, and the reason why we also called it the lover too is because you go to this function in times of relaxation and it's your hobby function. So when you're having free time or you're chilling, you like to go here. And so lover implies a place where you like to spend your time when you have downtime. Mm -hmm. Then that's not to say that, say, you know, your lover function is totally useless. There are tropes, you know, where the lover does join the superhero team and all that stuff too. So there are... Again, there's also subversions, aversions to, you know, the tropes and to the functions each other. It's not quite cut stone cold. Absolutely, Chufu. And so the last function, we called it the rival. And the reason why we called it this is because it's opposing to the dominant function. And so there's always the rival that's kind of fighting with the hero that they are butting heads with each other. And there is a cost of specialization. So the more you use your rival function, the more your hero is at odds with it. The more you use your rival function, the more your hero is fighting for more screen time too, or fighting for more control. And so the aims of one are at odds with the other. And in some ways, the rival can be aspirational too, because they have qualities that your hero would like to gain too. And so there can be that level of envy or admiration or desire to be more like, the person that you are competing against, that there is some beauty to their perspective, but there is that competition. Correct. And that's also why we settled more for the rival and less so the villain, because even though the villain's more antagonistic towards a hero story, they still want to work together in a way. And so the rival fits that a lot more, especially say, you know, in like Dragon Ball, it's like Goku and Vegeta. They are clearly on two ends of each other and they're clearly rivals. They may be hostile towards each other, but when they team up and become Gogeta and stuff, it's it's very powerful to see that two forces come together, or even when the two of them fight separately, of course. They're always at odds with each other, and they always want to accomplish the same things in very pseudo-parallel different ways, but yet when they come together, they can do amazing things. Mm-hmm. And so thank you, Chufu, for showing us your amazing knowledge around shows and for coming up with this imagery with me. And so my question to the audience members is, If you had a fun way to put the function stack, how would you imagine it to be like? What are some imageries that you would attach to the functions? Correct. And it doesn't have to be like this seamless, perfect theory. Again, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, but it's just a fun thought exercise to see how you can run MBTI theories and stuff parallel with other things such as like fiction or all that stuff. But it's fun to connect the theories together and try to see parallels where you can bring these ideas of differing worlds together. But also, you can also see where things may fall apart in their analogies too. So it's a fun thought exercise to test, you know, your understanding of things. Yeah. And so thanks for coming out, Chufu. And I appreciate you audience members for watching today's episode. And I'll see you all in the next one. Bye. All right.